0: She had a podium, and then when she opened up her eyes, there was no more podium. <laughs> Sneaky. <laughs> yeah, so as Pastor John Michael stated, um, just because you weren't, like in the past for me, when, when people were called out and received prayer, especially when I first started coming out to um, a church that prayed for people during service. Um I was like, oh man, like, oh that was so good. I wish I wish I had that. That spoke directly to my situation. Um but that word as it's being spoken out, that person is like a seed and that that person represents not just themselves but the entire congregation. And so what it was prayed over that person, God is also speaking it over you as well. You know? And for some of the people that came up, maybe that it was kind of different for them. They've never had anyone pray over them in public. But God is speaking out. It's, it says in the Bible that God calls things that are not as though they were. Meaning that God will see something in us that we don't see in ourselves. You know, when you look in the mirror, you know, you, you see your face, you know, you see yourself. But in, a lot of times when we look in the mirror, we we see all the bad, you know, we we look in the mirror and we look at things that we need to fix. When we think about ourselves, when we talk about ourselves, we only see things that we need to fix. Did you see that YouTube video about the, the dove? The dove thing? <laughs> Did you see the parody of the guys? The guy's like, I'm so good looking. I'm so awesome. I think my eyes are like fire. And then, they, and then the guy does the, Then they interview the girls and they're like, yeah, his eyes are kind of weird. And then it's, it was like a funny parody. It was like, guys, you're not as beautiful as you think. But then, for but the the one for the women was really powerful, uh, because these women they, they say, well, describe yourself, and then they have this guy, this uh, forensic artist, he's doing the sketches as they describe themselves, and they're they're talking, saying all these negative things about themselves. But then, when they interview someone else, they're like like someone off the street who maybe just talked to them for a bit, they're talking about, oh, they're so beautiful, this blah blah blah, and the picture that they had of themselves that they described themselves and the other person looked drastically different. And so, and where the person described themselves, it looked drastically worse than the person off the street. And I watched that and I was like, man, you know, that's a, a true picture, not of how people on the street view us, but really how God views us. God looks at us and he sees things that we don't see. And so when you receive prayer or when God speaks out something, you may not believe it about yourself. You know, you may look at yourself and be like, no, I'm not that. I'm not strong. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm not strong in God. None of those things. But then God looks at you because God is beyond time. He's in eternity. He sees the beginning and the end. And so God doesn't just see where you are at right now. God sees where you will be. And God oftentimes doesn't even just see where you will be. He sees at the root of who you are, who you really are. Your real identity. Maybe right now you're living in a, a lot of foolishness. Maybe you're doing a lot of things you shouldn't be doing. You know you shouldn't be doing. But when God looks at you, he sees that. But really, at the root, he sees who you really are. And so that's what's happening when we're praying for one another. You know? When I first got prayed like that, I was like, that ain't me at all. I don't know what they're talking about. And they're like, you're mighty man of God. I'm like, I mean, that sounds good. But that's not me. But then I realized that that was God speaking to who I really am. If you're ready to hear the word for today, say, I'm ready. ready. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, listen, this word ain't for you. It's for me. Tell them it's not for you. It's for me. because you know because you know whenever whenever the word of god is preached a lot of us we're like mm, that ain't for me that's for them <laughs> oh mm, i know mm, i know so and so back home they need to hear this message oh i can't wait till church is over i'm going to send them the mp3 you know it's always like the most convicting messages too right it's like where where god's really speaking to some deep stuff and that's when we're really like oh yeah, that person I met last week mm. in the club, that's totally for them. Mm. That ain't for me, though. I'm, I'm living right. Mm. <laughs> Today, I want to talk to you about spiritual gifts. Oh, now you're like, oh, it really is for me. <laughs> Selfish. Oh, just wait. Just wait. We just started. (laughs) Okay, I want you, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so we're going to continue this series in 1 Corinthians. We've been in 1 Corinthians since, I believe, August of last year, June, July. It was hot outside, and it's it's getting hot again. So we've been in 1 Corinthians for some time. And a part of me actually was like, even talking to Pastor Christian, I was like, Pastor Christian, I think maybe maybe I should start a new series. Maybe we should get into something else. And he's like, where are you at? And I was like, chapter 12. We're at chapter 12. He's like, wait, there's only, you got like four chapters to go. Why don't you finish? Well, you know, it's been a long time. Maybe the people need something fresh, you know, go in. You know, a book that nobody reads like Habakkuk. (laughs) Y'all don't even know how to spell Habakkuk. But then I thought about it more and more, and I was like, you know what? We are a generation, this generation, my generation, is a generation of people who start well, but we don't finish quite well. We start something, and then the the going gets tough, and we quit. (laughs) It's not the tough get going we quit or something goes on for a long time and maybe at the you know it's not as it's not as fresh as it used to be you know when we were in first corinthians chapter 1 it was like the honeymoon stage you didn't think you could have a honeymoon stage with the bible did you it's possible but now we're at chapter 12 and it's been like 8 months I realize that our generation is a generation that starts well. We start with so much enthusiasm, but when it comes to finishing, we don't do so well, huh? And that's a problem. That's a problem because a generation that starts well but doesn't end well doesn't give an inheritance to their children. And we're a generation that starts well because we think about ourselves, but finishing isn't about you. Finishing is about the people who come after you. Some of you are thinking, what is he talking about? This, I don't know. Think about the things in your life that you started well, but not finished. See, Jesus, he started well, but he recognized that he had to finish well. That's why when he was on the cross, he did the whole thing. He didn't stop halfway. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't just start, you know, when he was crying and he was crying so much, he was sweating so much, it was like tears of blood. He didn't quit. Because he knew that if he finished, finishing wasn't for him. It was for us. Man, we got to get good about finishing. So we're going to (laughs) finish first Corinthians. You know why? Because you may not have been here for first Corinthians chapter one. But as you're here for the rest of these chapters and as we finish it all together as one house, you're going to have something to take away to give to someone else. It's not going to be just about you because it ain't about you. It's about you, but it's not. Even spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are about you. But they're not about you. Mm, We're going to have some fun today. Let's look at chapter 12. It's a long chapter, so we're going to go through parts. And so we're going to read through. We're going to read. Actually, we'll just read the whole thing right now. We all can read. (laughs) And so we're going to read the whole chapter, chapter 12. First Corinthians, I'm going to take two verses. You'll take two and we'll go throughout and read the whole thing. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the guidance of wisdom, to another the guidance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? It's true. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all a single member, where will the body be? As it is, there are many hearts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That there may be no division in the body. But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. All apostles are all prophets, are all teachers. Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? And I will show you a still more excellent way. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. Your word brings life. It was by your word, God, that you spoke creation into being. It was by your word, God, that, Lord, that each one of us, God, were changed. It was by your word that became flesh and dwelt among us, God, that we have salvation. We thank you for your word. And, God, we thank you that we can gather together here today, God, to partake of your word. And so, God, we pray by the spirit, God, that, Lord, your word would take root in our hearts. That, God, you would write your word on the tablets of our hearts today. God, we pray against right now, God, every work of distraction, every work of apathy, every work, God, that would try to close our hearts to your word. And God, you would release life and life abundant in this place today. And it's in Jesus name we pray. it. Amen. Amen. We read that. I felt like I could just put down the mic and sit down. It's like powerful spiritual gifts. You know. There are some people that don't believe that spiritual gifts are in operation today. What are spiritual gifts? Well, Paul talks about it here in first in first Corinthians chapter 12. He talks about varieties of gifts. He says that the spirit is given the utterance of wisdom. There's the gift of knowledge, the gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing, healing, meaning they say gifts of healing, not the gift of healing, because it's understood that There are many different gifts. A person can have a a gift to heal cancer. Maybe a person has a a gift of healing for backs, knees, you know, a sore shoulder. There's the the gift of miracles, distinguishing between spirits, tongues. Oh, tongues is a controversial one, right? And Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians because... The Corinthian church, I know it's, it's been about a month since we've had our last, our last message out of this series. The Corinthian church was a charismatic church. It was a church that when it was birthed, it believed and it moved in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It moved in a supernatural way. And many of us, we don't believe that this, these things are possible. You know, I meet people who don't believe that gifts, that God actually moves supernaturally. That God can speak to you. You know, prophecy is when God will speak to you. And give you a word about maybe the issues or matters in someone else's heart. You know, when we ever when we had we had our sister Sarah come up, when we had Edgar come up, and we had Matt come up, and we prayed for them. Yes, we were praying for them to bless them, but also we were speaking by the Spirit of God, and, and in such a way that's called prophecy. A couple of weeks ago, I I got up here at sun, on Sunday service when Rodney Henderson was here, and I remember I got up and I was leading prayer. And I was leading, I was leading corporate intercession and God spoke to me and I just grabbed the Like I said, there's, there's someone here. There's someone here who hasn't been to church in a long time. And you're here today and, and God's glad that you're here and God's going to touch you. And there was these different things that God began to speak to me. And then I prayed, said, amen, sat down. And then two weeks later, the person walks up to me and they said, uh, yeah. So when you said that on Sunday, you were talking to me. And my reaction is always the same when that happens inside. I'm like, whoa, snap. That's great. God is real. Snap. But on the outside, I was like, hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm." (laughs) Hmm. You know, on our missions trips, we usually have, we see people that operate, uh, our missions teams operate. Oftentimes, God will grace us in a in gift of knowledge, meaning we'll bring our leaders up and we'll say leaders pray and we'll, be, we'll pray for healing. Because while God has God calls us all to pray for one, one another so that we may be healed, that we may be healed. There are some people that actually have a gift of healing. That they can sit there and pray for you for, for a particular thing and God will bring healing that will manifest. All of us have a capacity to heal, but there's some people that actually are gifted in a particular way for it. And so we're going to we're praying for healing, but we ask the leaders to come up and share something called a word of knowledge. And so we say leaders pray. And so the leaders will be standing up here and they'll look, look really nervous. <laughs> OK, I'm praying. And you know what they're saying? They're saying they're saying they're saying <laughs> under the God, help me. God, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. No, no, they don't do that. They did that in the beginning. Like whenever we first started doing that, I remember I was standing up here like. And, it's, and then the mic gets past to me. Um, and then, but God will speak to us about a particular ailment. Maybe it's eyes. I remember we were in General Santos in the Philippines, and God gave me a specific word of knowledge that he was going to heal eyes. There were eyesight that he was going to heal. And so we called it out, and then up comes this woman. And when she steps up, she could not see. Her eyes were complete. She was blind because of cataracts. Cause she didn't have the medical care to, to get them removed. Her eyes had gotten completely covered and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at them, I'm like, okay, she's got eyes. That was eyes. That was the word of knowledge. And so inside I'm thinking, wow, this is awesome. God is real. And then we pray for her and God heals her. Her eyes open. Our God is a supernatural God. Wisdom. God gives gifts of wisdom. You ever met that one person that when you sit and talk to them, they've just got wisdom. And it's like crazy wisdom. You're like, what book did you read? Like, where did you get that? That did not come from a TED talk. Where? How did you get that kind of wisdom? It's like supernatural. You know, they're like, Pastor Marcus. How did? Okay. Okay. Maybe maybe there's there's other gifts, the gifts like tongues on well, tongues is really controversial, right? Because you're in worship service and the person next to you is praying in tongues and you're freaking out because you don't know what they're saying. When I first came to New Philadelphia Church, when it was called JSCM, that's when the, the gift of tongues started becoming an operation in our church. And I remember stepping into worship. If you're new and you've, you've been hearing someone pray in tongues, I'm with you. I know what you've been feeling. Because I came in, and I was just coming to the Lord. I was a new Christian, baby believer. And I come in, and we're sitting there, and we're worshiping. And I'm like, you know, how great is our God. And then all I hear is like, all around me, like surround sound tongues. (laughs) And I'm looking around trying to figure out who's speaking in tongues. And I realize, like, everybody's speaking in tongues. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) That's because I didn't read my Bible (laughs) because in the Bible, it says that there there is a gift of tongues and there's two interpretations. One tongues being a prayer language, but then also there's the spiritual, supernatural gift of tongues that actually comes with interpretation. a a young man that I discipled a a few years back, him and his church, they went on a mission trip. They went on a mission trip and they were in a room having a prayer meeting and all of a sudden the power of God came into the room like just the Holy Spirit, the manifest presence of God, as we were praying even earlier, came into the room. And one of the girls, no one had a grid for this. Like no one grew up in a charismatic church. No one knew about this stuff. But one of the girls starts speaking in another language. She starts speaking in tongues. And the guy that I disciple, he's Vietnamese. And he's like, wait, that's Vietnamese. You know, she's just like, I don't know any Vietnamese words. So it's like pho, Ho Chi Minh. Like I, <laughs> I you know, like <laughs> if you're Vietnamese, don't don't be offended. I love I love Vietnamese people. Uh, but he's like he's like, wait, that's Vietnamese. And the crazy thing was she was Korean. And he understood what she was saying, and she was saying she was just praising God. We we had a missions team that went to that went to uh, Indonesia this past summer. And during one of the ministry times, they were praying for one of, they were praying for the keyboardist and they were just praying for him. They weren't like praying. They were just laying their hands on him. Just, Lord, we just bless him. Just bless him, Lord. Just touch him powerfully right now. You know, they weren't shouting, they weren't yelling, but the presence of God was in the place. And all of a sudden, you know, he starts speaking in Chinese. I'm not going to speak any Chinese. <laughs> How did they know that? Because one of the sisters on the team was fluent in Chinese, and she walks over, and she's like, wait a, wait a second. And there was, and he was, just, he was speaking out the, the matters of his heart. He was saying, Lord, in Chinese, he's Indonesian. He does not know Chinese, okay? He had no idea what he was saying, but he's speaking out the matters of his heart, and then all of a sudden an interpretation comes, and what he was saying was, Lord, it's been so tough for me right now. It's been so tough. It's been so hard. Things have been so hard for me. Maybe things that he would have never said. Things that maybe he would have never said out loud, you know, because he didn't want the person next to him to know the tough time he was having. But when the presence of God came, all of a sudden this gift of tongues came and then the gift of interpretation came. Some of you, maybe that's outside of your grid. Someone's told you your whole life that this doesn't exist. It's real. And then when they begin to tell him, you know, with with another translator, because they had to go then from Chinese to English to Indonesian, they begin to tell him what he was praying. He just started to break down because he realized that God moves supernaturally to make sure to bring out the issues of his heart. Powerful. You know, God has given us all spiritual gifts. God has given us all spiritual gifts. It says in first Corinthians chapter 12, it says it says in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit. Verse 11, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You know, God has desired for every single one of us in the body of Christ to move in spiritual gifts. It's not just for the person holding the microphone. It's not just for that person that, you know, grew up in the church. It's he desires for every believer in the body of Christ to move supernaturally. Why? Because he's a supernatural God and he desires for his children to live supernaturally. Maybe that's outside of your grid. Maybe that's a little too crazy. But we have more faith for Miss Cleo, you know, for fortune tellers than we do for prophecy in the church. You know? You go to you know, call me now <laughs> or it's free psychic reading. You know, you watch, tele, you know, you watch television, especially in Korea, Korea. They've got like these, you know, ex, exorcist shows where you've got this guy with a bell and he's just walking around doing all this shaman and stuff. And everyone watches it. It gets high ratings. But then people come in the church and they don't believe that the person sitting next to them may have a word from God that can set them free. When we're sick, you know, we'll go to a doctor that is, isn't moving in, in what we would call real medicine. Got to tread lightly. We'll believe in, in energy healing, but not the God who created heaven and earth that can actually heal us. The God who put the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that is placed inside of us, that he can use us to heal. See, God desires for us to be a supernatural community. Do you believe that you're a supernatural person? I'm here to tell you today that you are. And see, God wants for you to move in your spiritual gifts. Some of you, you may have more than one. Some of you, you, God has graced you, but he has given you something. And he desires for you to walk in it. The testimonies that come out of this house of people getting transformed and lives being changed, a lot of it came from simple men and women here moving in the gifts that God's given them. So, if you want to walk in your spiritual gift, say, I'm, I, want to walk in it. "I want to walk in it." Turn to turn to your neighbor. And say, "I have a spiritual gift." A spiritual gift. <laughs> Some of you didn't say that with much conviction. I have a spiritual gift. I I can see you. <laughs> You know, I'm going to give you three ways. I'm going to give you three things about walking in your spiritual gift today. The title of this message is Unwrapping Your Spiritual Gifts. Because some of you don't believe that, that you, you have a spiritual gift or you're wanting. You read the Bible. You read the book of Acts. You read these things and you see that God speaks of these things, but you've not seen it manifest in your life. Or maybe you've seen it manifest in your life, but whether you've walked in spiritual gifts or not, I'm here to tell you today that God wants to empower you to walk in the fullness of it. God wants his church not to be a church of weakness, but a church of power. You know, the world looks down upon the church because the church isn't being the church. Because the church isn't walking in the power and the anointing that we are meant to walk in. Imagine the the sick coming in and receiving healing off the street. What are you doing here today? What, what, no one told me. I just knew that there was a church here and I have cancer. And I heard the church is powerful. I heard the Holy Spirit moves here and I can get healing. That's, what, that's God's design for the church. I'm lacking direction. What, what do I do? Uh, I know I should go to the church. Because I know there's someone there that can pray for me. That has a word from God that's going to bring direction in my life. Every single one of us are meant to walk in that way, from the front to the back, just because you're sitting further away from me doesn't mean you're not supposed to walk in any less of a spiritual gift. Three things: the first we're going to look at at verse three. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says that Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. The first thing, if you're going to walk in the fullness of your spiritual gifts, is that you've got to bring yourself under the lordship of Christ. Why do I say that? Because Paul says that all the gifts you can read on, he says that all these gifts, he says, they're the manifestation of the spirit. The gift of wisdom comes through the spirit, the gift of knowledge through the spirit, healing through the spirit, miracles through the spirit. All these things come from the spirit. But what foremost comes from the spirit is an empowering to live as Jesus Christ being your Lord. And see, that's something missing in the body of Christ today. We all know that Jesus is our savior, right? We love that Jesus is our savior. We're all, you know, how you doing, brother? I'm just trying to get into heaven. That's all I care about. I just want to get through those pearly gates. That's all I want. But how many of us really are living with Jesus as our Lord? See, last week Pastor John Michael he talked about Satan's agenda, and Satan's agenda being what? Do what you want to do. And there's actually a video by this, the leader of the Satanist church. His name's Anton Lavey, and he says, you know, there's many many Christians out here that are that are living they they're christian but they're living by satan's agenda they go to church but they're doing whatever they want to do that's because in the church today everyone talks about how jesus is my savior jesus is my friend jesus is my homeboy i'll put it on a shirt right me and jesus we're cool jesus is my lover how are you and jesus right now man we're cool yeah we talk every now and then we kick it but how many people say jesus is my lord Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and was buried. The third day he rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven. He sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. From there he shall judge the living and the dead. Jesus is a righteous judge. Jesus is a righteous king. He's not just your homeboy. He's not just your savior. He's your Lord. And he has to be. And for you to walk in your spiritual gift, he has to be your Lord. Because if you're walking in a spiritual gift without Jesus being your Lord, that gift is occultic. It's satanic. What is the occult? It's seeking knowledge or power from a source other than God. Just as God has given us spiritual gifts, Satan's got spiritual gifts. And you know what they are? They are spiritual gifts where Jesus is not your Lord. Prophecy. What's the satanic version? Fortune telling. Horoscope. Read the stars. Why? Because I'll, I'll do my own thing. I don't need to submit myself under the lordship of Christ. I'll do my own thing. Wisdom. Well, the satanic wisdom is very simple. Do whatever you want to do. Why ask anyone else? Healing. He's got a counterfeit of that, too. That's why people continue to visit these shamanists and visit all these different doctors that are using New Age occultism because. It's just a counterfeit. It's a spiritual gift without Jesus being your Lord. And there's many believers that say, well, I want to know my spiritual gift. I want to know how God has gifted me, but you won't walk in the fullness of it unless you're willing to submit yourself under Jesus as being your Lord. Not just your savior. Jesus doesn't want to just be your savior. It's not just about just getting into heaven. He cares more about you than just what happens when you die. He cares about what happens right now as you live. That's a real love. He wants you to live a supernatural life now. But it happens as you say, you know what? God, I'm willing to follow whatever you say. Even if that means that you have to do something that you naturally wouldn't want to do. You know, like when you're sitting on the subway and you see that other person sitting across from you that you know speaks English. Because he's black. (laughs) And God's like, go talk to them. Actually, this is what you need to say. This is what he's going through. Just go say it. We, we, pull out the phone on God. We pull we pull out Facebook on God. You know, he tells us to do something. Oh, let me check my Facebook. Oh snap. I got an email right now. A little bit. I'm, I'm busy right now. I'm busy. People, when you, you know, people that when you say, I know many of you, you want to know what your spiritual gift is. Maybe you don't even know what your spiritual gift is. You want me to tell you how, you know, when you submit yourself under the Lordship of Christ, Jesus begins to tell you to do something that you may not do on your own, and that's pray for people, to pray for someone other than yourself. See, Jesus loves you, and he wants to hear about what's going on in your life. He cares about the issues of your heart. He does, but more than that, he cares about using you to impact other people. He knew the issues of the disciples' heart, but when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it didn't come upon them to empower them to just be good people on their own. It empowered them to reach out to others. And actually, you find out more about your spiritual gift when you touch other people. You know, I, I realized that God had given me a gift of prophecy. I'll just say it. Maybe that's a little controversial, but we just established this in the Bible. I realized that God had given me a gift of prophecy when I began to pray for people and after every time I pray for them, even before I knew when I was in North Carolina and I was attending a church that didn't talk about spiritual gifts at all. And I would be spending time with people. And, and at the end, like, well, can I pray for you? And I was like, Yeah, sure. And I just pray for them. And I would just pray for them. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to prophesy right now. Ooh, just wait. I was just like, you know, I was just like, you know, precious Jesus, I just pray for my brother. And I would just pray for them just since as sincerely as I possibly could. And then at the end of it, they're crying. And I'm like, wow, what's going on? You know, why are they crying? I, I mean, like, I didn't say anything that good. And then they're like, that's exactly what I needed. That's exactly what, actually, that was what I was thinking yesterday, word for word. And I'm like, wow, okay. And then it kept happening. I kept praying for people. And all of a sudden, more and more so, God would give me specific words to speak. Not only that, but then he began to expand it. And then he wasn't just giving me words for people, but he was giving me words for congregation. He was giving me words for maybe what God was doing in the nation in my prayer time. And it wasn't like I started out praying like that. I would be just praying for Itaewon or praying for different specific people. And then God would speak to me. But it happened as I was willing to submit myself under God. You know, your spiritual gift, you you don't find it out immediately. It's not like you become a Christian and you're born again. And then it's like, oh, my spiritual gift is wisdom. Okay, now I'm going to go around and give some wisdom. Oh, my spiritual gift is healing. Yeah, let me give some healing. It doesn't happen like that. Actually, it happens as you step out and begin to love on someone else other than yourself. As you begin to lay your life down for the sake of someone else, then you realize, oh, snap. Every time I pray for someone every time I pray for someone, they get healed. That's interesting. That's weird, man. Every time I talk to this, every time I talk to someone, they're always leaving like, man, that was the wisest conversation I've ever had. Man, that's that's interesting. Man, every every time. It just it just keeps happening to me. Maybe it doesn't happen every time, but the more you do it, the more it gets opened up. Why? Because spiritual gifts are about you, but they're not just about you. It's actually it says it says it here, it says it's for the manifestation of the common good. Everyone say common. Common. Meaning that spiritual gifts are for you. But more than anything else, they're actually for your neighbor. Because if God gave you a gift of prophecy and it was all about you, you would just prophesy to yourself all the time. Marcus, your life is going to look like this in five years. Mm. You're going to get married and have 17 children. (laughs) See, that wasn't from God. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is with that, with the gift of prophecy, the funny thing is with these spiritual gifts. Is that they don't work on you. I'm going to be real. Like if you have a gift, if you have the gift of wisdom, you can't give yourself wisdom. For some reason, you got to go to someone else to get wisdom. If you have that gift of prophecy, trust me, I've tried. I'm like, Marcus, what's going to happen tomorrow? (laughs) Don't know. Dang it. Got to go and talk to someone else. Praying for your own healing. I've heard of testimonies of people who were deaf and they would pray for someone else and their ears would open. And, and people will be like, man, that's so cruel. Why would God do that? No, God doesn't do that to be cruel. God's saying, listen, you are not your own healer. You need other people. Spiritual gifts are not about you being gifted. It's about the community. So for you to walk in a supernatural life, it's got to be about someone else other than you. So the, the next two things have to do with the body. We're going to go through these quickly. Because it has to do with community, because for you to really walk in in the fullness of your spiritual gifting, you've got to understand how to walk in community. It's not about you. It's not about you having a good time. It's really about God connecting you with other people. You ever notice in life the times where you feel the most fulfilled is when you're doing something for someone else. You ever notice in life the times where you feel the most joyous is when you are impacting someone else powerfully. That's not just because it feels good. It's because God made you that way. But there's two things, two ways in which we get attacked in community that keep us from walking in the fullness and unwrapping unwrapping our spiritual gift. And so we're going to look. We're going to look here. At verses. At verses 12 to 14. 12 to 15, actually. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized in the one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it not, that would... Not make it any less a part of the body. Stop right there Paul talks about spiritual gifts, and then all of a sudden he switches to start talking about the body of Christ because why does he do that because he 's using body as a metaphor for community, for the church, for the local church, for us being connected together in relationship because your spiritual gifts only are mag- they 're only ex- magnified and expressed in community and but but Satan has two. Key attacks that he comes with. And we're going to look at it. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not make it any less a part of the body. The first. Is self-exclusion. When we exclude ourselves, because we all have different spiritual gifts and God has made us differently. Not just with our gifts, but also in other ways. Right. Our background, our Our spiritual walks. The way that God has made us. Can we cut these fans on? The way that God has made us. He's made us all differently. But whenever we get division in the body, that's when our spiritual gifts are not manifested. And the first, then that attack is, it comes in self-exclusion. He talks about the foot, right? The foot. Why is he talking about the foot? Because the body's made up of different parts. But it's all still the same body. And he says, if the foot. Or if the hand would say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It's this attack of, of excluding ourselves because we're different. It's it's saying, well, because I'm different, I don't belong. You know that feeling? You walk into the house of God. Well, because I'm not like everyone else here, I don't think I belong here. Oh, because... well. All these people, they're all powerful and they're all whatever, but I'm not like that. I don't feel like I belong here. You know, during worship, this person's shouting, but I'm a little more low key. Actually, I don't ever shout like even in emergencies, a text message. I'm not like them. You know, what was happening in the church of Corinth was that they had these expressions of uh, spiritual gifts, but it was causing division. Because one person was saying, well, let's the prophets all get together over here. We don't need any, we don't, we don't need, we don't need your healing. You know, I, we don't belong. We're prophets. We're different. You know, the healers were like, listen, we're going to heal one another, but we don't feel like we belong here. But even in community, maybe it's not on a, a level like spiritual gifts, but it's so easy to find reasons why we feel like we don't belong. You know, when I first came to Korea, I felt like I didn't belong. At 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 this church, because I had this friend. His name was Jazz, and Jazz was like, he's like, okay. So I'm like, you know, six foot tall, and he, and he's like, okay, he's like, okay, I'm five eight and a half, and uh, he's like, he's about six foot tall, and he's this, he was in the military, so he's he's a little bit more built, um, and he's. He's a little more muscular, uh, and he's, he's a bit darker than me, okay? So he's a black guy, a little darker than me, bigger than me, taller than me. We look completely different. But when I first came back, everyone, they were walking to me, and they are like, hey, what's up, Jazz? I mean, Marcus. And I was like, wait, what? We don't look anything alike. And then I was like, okay, grace, grace, just grace. Cover it with the blood. It's fine. Next day. Come there! Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, what's up, Jazz? Mark, Marcus, Marcus. I'm like, okay, listen, guys, listen. I I weigh like a hundred pounds less than him, and I'm at least five inches shorter. We're not even the same shade. He's dark chocolate. I'm milk chocolate. It's different. Certain people just shaking their head at me right now, but I had, I had, I excluded myself because after that, I was like, you know what, man, I I automatically felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I didn't belong because of the way I looked. I felt like I didn't belong because people kept confusing me with this guy. Maybe for you, it's not that maybe for you. It's the fact that you walk in and you, you you don't pray like everyone else prays. Maybe you walk in and, and you don't feel the same thing that everyone else feels. And you're standing there and you're wondering why the other person over there is crying, but you don't feel any inclination to cry. Maybe you walk in and, and all of a sudden you feel totally different, totally separated. And then all of a sudden this whisper comes and says, you don't belong. You don't belong here. Maybe everyone, it feels like to you that everyone else got the message except for you. And then all of a sudden we begin to say, you know what? I don't think I belong here. I don't think this is where God's calling me to. I don't really belong. And we start to separate ourselves. But see, what happens when you start to separate yourself is that the gifts and things that God has placed in you, no one else gets. See, that's why Satan comes with isolation. But at the heart of it, at the root of it, Paul gets to here, he says, well, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, what would be the sense of smell? Meaning that if everyone, if you're excluding yourself because no one around you looks like you, what you're saying is that the church has to look like you for you to be there. What you're saying is that everyone around you has to be exactly like you for you to feel comfortable But God hasn't made it that way. God hasn't made it for everyone to look like you, because if everyone looks like you, you don't get blessed. If everyone looks like you, then when you need something, where do you go? When you're broken in need of encouragement, if everyone's in the same place you are, you're stranded, then you're really alone. The worst thing is for everyone to look like you. The worst thing is for everyone to be exactly like you, because then you don't get the blessing of God using someone else completely different than you to speak into your life. No, he said that every different part has a purpose. And that those different parts, the gifts that God's placed in you, someone else needs. Did you know that? What God's placed inside of you, someone else desperately needs it today. Someone desperately needs to talk with you after service to have a conversation with you, because what God has put inside of you is going to set them free. And what God has placed in someone else, you need. You desperately need. Because that's what's going to set you free. That's what's going to bring that breakthrough. Maybe they've already went through it and God's already given them a testimony. God's already blessed them with a gift that can set you completely free. But it won't happen if you exclude yourself. When you exclude yourself, you stay by yourself in the exact same spot you've been. See, our spiritual gifts are meant to edify one another, bring up one another, encourage one another. That's why they're all different. The other lie is a little different than this, but it has the same heart behind it. He says, verse 21, he switches, he switches it up. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Actually, before I say that, I want to say something else about that last point. If If you come today and you're broken and you're feeling like everything is in disarray, This community actually needs you too. You need the community, and the community needs you. Even in the midst of whatever you're going through. Because there's still gold inside of you that God wants to bring out. The second thing the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable the, the next lie is not just the exclusion of self but the exclusion of others you know that person over there i, I don't want to talk to them they 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 look a little creepy you know oh that person over there they're a little awkward you know i wrote this i wrote this spoken word piece in in college called am i awkward and the and it's about it's about interacting with people that you feel like are awkward, right? And so the first line of the poem is, "Am I awkward, right?" I just, and it's supposed to be a rhetorical question. But the first time, I, the first couple of times I performed it, everyone was like, "Yes." It's a performance. I'm not supposed to talk. I was like. You know, you, you know, you know that that person, you know, maybe there's someone that, you know, you, you've already seen and you came in. You're new. You don't even know anyone. But you're like that person over there is awkward. <laughs> OK, that person over there the where they wearing? Stri- oh, they wearing two different kinds of stripes. Oh, they're wearing the stripes with the plaid. Oh, no. Not going to talk to them. That's a fashion faux pas. Maybe there's other reasons why, you know, there's so many ways in which we judge one another. We walk in and we exclude others from us. So it's not just the exclusion of ourselves feeling like because I'm this way, I'm unique, I'm different, I don't belong. But, oh, these people over here, I don't need them. I don't need them. Oh, actually, you know what? They're weaker. Oh, this person over here, oh, they can't do nothing for me. I don't want to talk to them. And we exclude others. Based upon, you know, maybe our first impression or what we perceive or how we perceive them to be, you know, and and this is a danger the more and more you grow in God, actually, because the more and more you grow in God, the closer you get to God, all of a sudden you talk to someone else and it becomes more evident maybe what they're going through the issues. Maybe you have that gift of discerning spirits and you're like, whoa, okay, that spirit is a different one. That's not Jesus. The more and more you go on God, then all of a sudden you meet someone who maybe doesn't know, know God. Maybe they're not Christian yet. Maybe they're just exploring it. And you say, well, I can't talk to them. I don't feel safe talking to them. I don't, I don't really like being around that person. They make me feel uncomfortable. As if our comfort is really the biggest thing on God's list. Sometimes because of pride, we will separate other people. We will judge other people and say, you know what? I don't need them. But see, Paul, he, he gets to the heart of that, too, because what you're really saying is the same thing as the other person. You're saying the church has to look like me. I need everyone to look like me for me to be comfortable. So how does Paul get around this? It's one word. Honor. Honor. Everyone say honor. Honor is. Is attributing to someone grace, attributing to someone worth, attributing to someone. Even accolades. Attributing worth to another person, actually, that's honoring them. When you when you say that this person has worth, this person has value, that's honor. You know, a lot of times when I'm today, actually, I was on my way here to, to to church. I'd be vulnerable because God spoke this to me. He hit me in the head with it. Yeah, I smacked my head really hard just now. I'm going to have a red mark tomorrow. That means it was really hard. And I was walking and I was going through the subway and I was going from one car to another. Um, and as I was going, there was this young guy and he was standing there and he was standing there kind of awkwardly. And I didn't think anything of it. I was just opening up to go to the next car and he turned and when he spoke to me, I could tell that that he was mentally handicapped. And he said, you know, sorry, and he said it real loud and then and then I didn't I didn't even if anything, I felt a little startled because he kind of caught me off guard. I was just expecting him to step out of the way and then he's just a yell. He yelled it like as everyone in the bus was like everyone in the train looked and then. I cl- and then I just closed it. I almost ignored that he was there. I didn't I didn't recognize him. I didn't give him any. I didn't, and then he opened it up again. He opened it up after I closed it. And he yelled out, you know, just, I'm, the, I'm sorry. And he yelled it out really loud. And he's like reaching out towards me. And then I saw open seats. And then I saw more open seats further away. And I chose the further away seats because I thought if I sit closer, he's going to come and want to talk to me. I got to think about my sermon. And in that moment, I realized I looked at him, I looked down upon him. I said, I don't, "I don't. I don't need him. I don't need that right now. I got bigger things on my plate right now than talking to him." see, Jesus, he didn't do that. See, Jesus is the embodiment of all the spiritual gifts put together. And when we receive Christ, we receive a portion of it, because when all of it comes together, it represents Christ. And in that moment, God wanted me to represent Christ to him. By showing greater honor to someone whom I would have said was dispensable. To someone whom I would have said I didn't need. How many people do we look at and say, you know, what? I don't need to talk to them today. I don't need them. I don't have to be around them. I'd rather not say hello to them today. But the Bible says, no, actually, those are the people that you need to give greater honor to. The people that we are more prone to judge, those are the people that we need to actually even show more honor to. It's easy to show honor to the, persons you li- the people you like. But what about the ones that get on your nerves? What about the ones that make you feel uncomfortable? I'll tell you what, when you show honor to the people that seem to be the most dispensable, that's when God shows up. That's when his power shows up. That's why the Bible says that God loves the that says true religion. True religion isn't coming to church on Sunday. True religion is not sitting in a seat and listening to a sermon. True religion is loving the orphan and the widow. You know why? Because society says they're dispensable. And maybe you don't have that opportunity, but what about the person next to you? And when you do that, when you begin to show honor and you begin to say, you know, what? I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take five minutes of my time to show love to this person. Maybe they're new. Maybe I don't know them. Maybe, you know, the way that they look at me makes me feel a little uncomfortable, but I'm still going to take time. That's when God Shows up. That's when his power comes in in amazing ways. That's when your spiritual gift really comes out. Because in that moment, you don't know what to say. In that moment, you don't know what to do. In that moment, you don't know how I'm supposed to reach that person. But it's in that moment. Where God. He moves. It's in that moment where God tells you what to say. It's in that moment where God says pray for them. It's in that moment where God says how about you serve them? How about you buy them dinner? How about you lay down your life for them? Spiritual gifts i'll end I'll end with this we uh we do We do a ton of missions trips here at New philly and every time we go. Um, we see, we see God's power show up in just amazing ways. But this past time, we went to Bangladesh, and Bangladesh, if you don't know, is one of the poorest, if not the poorest, nation on earth. It is definitely one of the most corrupt. And when we went, when we went this time, we went and we were ministering to. We went and we were ministering to Hindus and Muslims, and we were going in. And before I went, I, I was really afraid. I, I thought like, I was like, you know, okay, we're gonna go into Bangladesh. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay. I mean, I'm gonna come back, but, you know, I hope, you know, like, I was just like, it's gonna be a crazy trip. I don't know, like everyone's telling me, and like, I was reading news articles and they were saying like, Islamic extremists were like protesting and like all these different crazy things were happening. And we go and we start ministering. And when we go to these places in Bangladesh and we minister, there's no one there except for women and children. There's It's just Hindu women, Hindu children, Muslim women, Muslim children. And so we preach, and we preach the gospel, but there's no men around. There's no men around, and then all the women, they, they raise up their hands. We see healings, but we, we pray for healing, but we're like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then our translator, Pastor Sean, he's like, really on it. So he like wants us to use our time efficiently. So we're like, just, you know, we try to be patient. Just check, see if you're okay. You know, take your time. He's like, okay, they're healed next, you know? And I'm like, they didn't even, they didn't even check. You know, you know, he's like, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. Next person, next person. Okay. They're good. Okay. you know. But somewhere along the trip, I, uh, after a while in the trip, as we're watching all these different things take place, a little bit of a hardness came into our heart because we were looking at these people and we're like, man, we're not ministering to like the government people. Like we're not, we're not even ministering to the men and no, no offense, but the men in Bengali society, those, those are the movers and shakers in that society. Like if you reach the men, you reach the entire society. And so we're thinking, man, like we're, we're ministering to these women and children. They're raising their hands, but we don't know if they're really getting saved. We're praying for them and we don't know if they're really getting healed. We don't know what's going on. Then one night at dinner, Pastor Rishon, he interrupts me. He says, listen. What you guys are doing right now, the healings that you're seeing right now, the salvations that you're seeing right now take place is going to change. This nation is greater than anything you could ever imagine. I was like, what? He's like, because the women and children are the least of these. The women and children are the ones that no one talks to. No one reaches but when these when these women raise their children in Christian families, their children are going to grow up to be Christian. And when their children grow up to be Christian, these children are going to become government officials. These children are going to become the officials over these provinces in these areas. These children are going to be the pastors that go into the areas that you cannot go to bring the gospel. You don't realize ministering to the least of these and walking in your spiritual gifts, even if it's to the least of these, is changing an entire nation. On a small scale, that's what God desires for each and every one of us here in this community. Spiritual gifts, they're about you, but they're not about you. He wants to remove those dividing walls and bring us together supernaturally. Let's pray.